I was falling in love with that sort of concept of like, you know, interaction design and like a good UI, right? And then like having a good experience where things were accessible quite easily and quickly. And How do you feel about Clippy? Clippy, miss him every day, RIP. Every day. You've reached Hotline Design Podcast. How may we help you? And welcome back to Hotline Design Podcast. In this week's episode, we talk to our first ever guest, a fierce friend of the pod, a maker, a shaker, a content creator, Mr. Stephen Brown. So ladies, I need to know, how have your weeks been? Ugh. What a week. So yeah, I continued trying to calm my week, trying to make the most out of the time not working. In terms of kind of design stuff, I have just finished Articulating Design Decisions, which was a really good book and I, I recommend it to you. And on a personal note, I have restarted New Girl, um, which... So good. Yeah, brought me a lot of joy back in the day. And it I feel like I watched it so long ago that I've forgotten it so I can re-enjoy it. And yeah, that has been really positive. I love that. I want a collab, a crossover of Schitt's Creek with New Girl. So it's like Schmidt's Creek. Oh my God. <laughs> and it's that just like be incredible talking to David about like driving moccasins. Yep. You need to sell the rights for that. I think that's way too good to. It's all I want. I know they did one with a uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine, so I want this ambitious crossover in my life. I love it. Yeah, I wanted to. I wanted to. Two great shows. So yeah. But how how have your weeks been? So thanks to Lavinia, I've been a really active user of Clubhouse this week, taking part in many different rooms and just kind of dropping in there. So for the uninitiated, Clubhouse is basically like a drop-in audio app where you can, I think it's a bit voyeuristic because people start conversations on pretty much anything and then you can be a part of it. So I've managed to join some audio rooms that are pretty cool. I think one of them actually had James Clear who wrote Atomic Habits, which is the book that Lavinia is in love with. And he gave some really good tips. Um, And then kind of also been using it to hang out with other designers based in other countries. So they had like this really cool thing called Figma and Chill yesterday where they give you a design brief and then everyone works on designing something in a Figma file. So I've really had a lot of fun in Clubhouse and I think I'm slightly addicted, which is worrying because <laughs> I went out for a walk yesterday and it was such a nice sunny day and I saw all these people and I was just like completely overwhelmed. And I was telling my boyfriend, I was like, I'm not used to seeing people in real life. I'm just used to hearing them. So how nice would it be if like you couldn't see anyone, but you could just have conversations in your head and he was like, I think you were actually going mad, which, which <laughs> might be the case, so. Just the next time you see people, it's like, everyone's just in a dark room, you turn off the lights, and you're like, now socialize. Now talk. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's pretty much my week, like, being, I, think, I, I think that sums it up. Um, and Lauren, how's your week been? Yeah, uh, I just love what you've been saying about Clubhouse, like, you will never be a design team of one if you've got all these voices inside your head. So I love it. 
<laughs> Definitely. I actually really resisted plugging our podcast on, on one of the rooms because I joined and the theme was um, design team of one, actually. And I, I, I was, it was so close of being like, if you want a resource, we have a whole episode about it. But <laughs> I feel quite bad about like promoting myself to strangers. So I didn't. But oh, girl, I've got no shame. I, I guilt trip my mother into listening. My dad, shout out to parent of the pod. My dad listens. My mom does not. And I'm like, it's good to know who loves me and who doesn't. <laughs> it's good to see that. <laughs> Nothing like a bit of emotional manipulation from your yeah. child. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah, but my week has been good. And I'd like to give a shout out to Yusin teaching Lavinia and I some After Effects and she had like the cutest animation of like it was for Pancake Day which is a big deal in the UK uh, for our listeners that don't know what Pancake Day is it's a day where you eat pancakes because it's the start of Lent question mark is that right keep keep me honest people <laughs> when I first moved to the UK everyone in in my training group because we were on training kind of three years ago kind of around this time early February they were all very excited and they were like you know, it's pancake day tomorrow, Lauren. And I was like, oh, it's like every Tuesday pancake day. It's like taco Tuesday. <laughs> and they were horrified. I, I think I need to lean into religion a bit more and become a woman of God. But but yeah, back to the pancake animation. So Yusin had this cute little animation like of all these like little pancakes falling onto a stack. It had like the most like kawaii little face and like a little like pat of butter like gently falls on like as a beautiful like little hat. And then when I went through, I had all the pancakes ricocheting off the side of the frame, then tilting, then the pat of butter like comes down, smacks in the face, enlarges, and then just the, the text, you better believe it, comes up. Um, maybe we'll share this as a story on the Instagram. Oh, yeah. um, it was precious. But it was really it fun was to have the creative freedom to completely botch Yusin's lovely wholesome pancake design i will double up on that shout out as well because it was such a well organized class I, it almost <sighs> felt wrong to not have paid for it yeah you know like just slides and everything oh, honestly the best will you accept pancakes as payment yes sure i want it <laughs> delivered within the next slot. 15 minutes we can slide them in your letter slot oh thanks you both yeah so professional um and then just kind of on the personal side uh looking for a flat and going flat hunting and all all the flats that I really like I was getting a bit suspicious why there were multiple flats coming up for grabs in those like uh flat complexes apartment buildings uh did some research they all have cladding issues so just a hot tip for anyone who's looking for a flat make sure if it's like a new build you check to see if they've got any of the cladding problems kind of from like that Grenfell era um, and that fire safety is top of mind. But I feel like I'm becoming too overattached to some flats that I just see. And I just walk in and I like plan out my entire life. So I, I think I need to get better at just taking a step back. Do you plan the podcast setup in the corner? Legit, because a janky Ikea side table will not do in my new flat. So <laughs> I want like a full podcast studio. No, I mean, I love it. yeah. Something a little bit better than the current setup, but whatever works. Yeah. Amazing. So great to hear about everyone's. But now I would love to introduce 
an OG friend of the pod, a mover, a shaker, a content maker, Mr. Stephen Brown. Welcome to the pod. Hey, hey, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. This is such a first and we're so, so excited. And when thinking about our first guest, we're like, Stephen, he's got all the pearls of wisdom. I mean, I hope so. (laughs) Let's find (laughs) out. (laughs) Yeah. Shout shout out to Stephen, by the way. Um, You were actually one of the OG reasons how I got into UX because like ages ago when we were redesigning that internal tool, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you actually kind of, you know, you were leading the team and I think you put that structure in place. And that was the first time I heard about user interviews and using things like the sort of value impact matrix to prioritize ideas. So definitely yeah. a huge shout out. Like Stephen is good. <laughs> Stephen is good. <laughs> Can we so. get yeah. that on a shirt? <laughs> I That's do what we're going to start with. Stephen is good. <laughs> Yeah, I do remember that. I remember, like, I listened to the earlier episode of the pod and you mentioned it and I was like, oh man, yeah, I totally forgot about that. And I was like, oh yeah, like, I was there. And then Lauren and your story as well, when you were talking about, like, running those <gasps> workshops, yeah. like, those events, like, we ran them. Yeah. Um, you had all the brilliant ideas and I was just like, there, like, yeah, sure, we're doing this, but Lauren's got great ideas, so. I just lifted and shifted them from being a camp counselor. <laughs> That's where it all starts. That's where it starts. Well, Stephen, it's so, so amazing to have you here. And we've just got a couple questions for you just because you are such a fascinating individual. (laughs) So I guess the first one is how would you describe your kind of title in work? In work, I would say, I mean, I'm a, I guess, a UX consultant um, slash product designer. And I, I start to say that term as more as I look at you know, job applications. And I see that term, it's, it seems to be the sort of norm, but it's, I guess it, it aligns with what the focus of that job is, which is like to make sure the product overall is good. So that's where I'm starting to push my thinking to say like, I'm becoming more of a product designer than a UX consultant. And I have a particular focus on interaction design and prototyping, like that is like my bag. I love Your that. Your bread and butter. I oh yeah I always have and always will love prototyping just making something whether it looks brilliant or a bit janky and just pushing it in front of people and just getting them to talk about like how this is going to work big prototyping advocate and we love an origin story here so can you tell us a bit about kind of your origin story to getting into UX and then what you've done with that as a result yes it starts when I take it back to like using windows and like the difference between having Windows 95 and then upgrading to like, what was the next one? Was it like 98? XP? After, yeah, oh, okay, so 90s. then after, after, after whatever, 95 or 98, there was like XP. Mm. And that like changed the game. When, the, <laughs> when like that like big start button at the bottom left was like green and it had like this nice like gradient on it. And it just blew my mind and got me so excited. And I didn't know why, but I just loved it. And I would discuss it with my friends like all the time. And then like, it became like Vista and then it became like Windows 10, which no one talks about anymore because that's a bit weird. But <laughs> I didn't realize that at the time I was like, I was falling in love with that sort of concept of like, you know, interaction design and like a good UI, right? And then like having a good experience where things were accessible quite easily and quickly. And How then, do you feel about Clippy? Clippy, miss him every day, RIP. Every day. The realist. Pour one out for the homies. The baddest. <laughs> <laughs> Friend of the pod, Clippy. Yeah. Be back. He's everyone's friend. 
you know? Yeah, they yeah. really do need to bring it back. He was just such an element of nostalgia. And now we've just got this, like, slide pane on the side. Um, Clippy just wanted to help. Yeah. And you could switch him out for that little dog or, like, who else was there? Was there a wizard? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, miss all them birds. Oh, my God, yeah. That mm-hmm. wizard was so good. Was it purple with stars? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I personally found the wizard a bit creepy. I don't know why. <laughs> that paperclip was not no. <laughs> yeah there's something a bit sultry about that wizard that was just a little it's bit like disturbing firmly in the uncanny valley <laughs> so from jumping around with windows i went to uni i studied neuroscience realized i didn't love what that future was going to look like in a research lab so then quickly like pivoted i think i did a survey um at my career's service and they were just like "Mm, maybe you should try consulting so i was like okay word um so applied for this tech consultancy got the job which is where i met all of you guys (laughs) and then yeah from there i was working in an area which was quite exciting it was all about like innovation um but it was very different to the normal day-to-day running of that company or like the roles that were available at that company at the time so they were very aware that people were very likely to leave the company after this innovation area. So they brought people in who used to be in innovation and had now sort of reintegrated back into the business doing interesting things. One of those people, I don't know if we're we're saying names, but initials DF, you know who you are. He came back and was like, oh, I'm doing user experience design. And I was like, oh word, that seems dope. So I wanna get into that. So they ran some training sessions, him and another lady. And I went to that training session and then I was at the pub near where I was living and the woman who was running the training session was also at this pub and it was like this really weird evening um, because there was also like a band that was playing and it's in like this the pub is like a massive garden so there was this really alternative like folk band playing at the back of this pub I rock up there because I'm like oh this seems cool she rocks up there as well and she's and we're like oh word like you were at the training session you're that lady and she was like oh yeah you were there she was like do you want to roll and I was like hell yeah (laughs) (laughs) so she gives me a role on this project um as a user experience designer and then from there I've just been like diving into it and then following that so yeah just been learning more about UX design and getting into those roles building my experience and then I took a sabbatical for what was meant to be a year of traveling, which turned into six months of traveling because of the pandemic. But during that time, I did a full stack web development course in Malaysia because I really wanted to get into like, what's behind all of these things that I'm designing? Like, what's the code? How does this translate? And also how can I, selfishly, how can I argue with developers when they tell me something's not possible to also be like, (laughs) actually it is possible and I know how to do it. So. So please fix. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, that's the story. Oh, I love it. I think we all met you at work and we know all the great things that you were doing there. The same way, like Yusin mentioned, um, you had an impact kind of like on her career. I do remember that you did on mine as well because uh, you were doing the mentoring stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you paired me with someone and it was really good. And kind of outside of work, we also know that you love to create other stuff. True. And... We were wondering if you can give us an overview of kind of your out of work creative endeavors as well. Yeah. Cool that I had an impact as well. I didn't really think that I I would have much linking to you, but that's You're kind of an influencer. 
I mean, that's what they tell me. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to own it. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I don't know, outside of work. Yeah, a few things. So um, my main passion right now is music. That is largely taking up most of my time. So I love producing music. Um, I'm not writing music so much as producing and just trying to make tasty, moving beats um, that do something to you. So it, and Chef's that's, kiss. That's it. Tasteful. And that's kind of in the genre of like hip hop slash electronic, a bit of folk, which I, I do love. I'm talking about folk music a lot. Maybe it's something I should start focusing on. And then I'm also trying to like produce some pop songs this week with a, a writer that I know. Um, yeah, there's music there. In case anyone was wondering why his audio is better than all of ours. <laughs> <laughs> here you are. Ooh, Come through Mariah Carey. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I've got the, yeah, I've got uh, an okay mic um, that I've set up. What else am I into? Dancing. So yeah, I used to dance like a lot throughout uni. So I've been dancing for like 10 years now, which is also in the vein of like, I guess, hip hop slash open style choreography. Used to choreograph for the university team. We never won anything, but we came second at one competition. Proud of that. Um, And then ended up choreographing for a company that I was dancing in. So I choreographed like a theater show, um, which was fun. Um, and now I sort of am the director of a group of friends where I just want us to all dance and be friends together. I mean, we are friends first and we're dancers second. So it's great that we just get in the studio and, and do stuff. I think you're forgetting about your finest piece of choreography. Go on. Which is when you choreographed a full dance to our security IT training video <laughs> and the background music. That was not choreographed. That was all freestyle. That, was that, that freestyle? Was, that was all freestyle. It was all I ever needed. And when you sent it to me, I knew my life would never be better than that. <laughs> that that was the pinnacle. You'll never be exposed to better art. Yeah. It is the highest degree of art. <laughs> I, can, I can vouch for that. It was such an iconic dance that When I finally completed the training on the deadline itself, I just like imagined you dancing to that music as I was going through all of the security questions. That should be everyone's reward. It's like not the certification that matters. It's, it's seeing Steven dance. dance. <laughs> Man, that music was, that music slapped. It was fire. It, it was I, lava. I completely like ripped it. So I like rooted the audio back into my computer and I like downloaded it. It was pretty yeah. good. Did you actually? That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. We would I've play it for you, that. but we'd probably have like copyrighting copyright? issue. Yeah, you probably get copyrighted, <laughs> but damn. I have it saved on my phone as well. Like, oh, so good. Other things I do, um, I sort of started a t-shirt brand uh, based around plants. Um, so I love plants. So I had a t-shirt brand and I made a few. My God, Stephen, I do remember when I found uh, you were wearing one of them and I asked, oh, how can I get one? And you yeah. said something like they're all sold out. And they I felt so I was like, Damn. the merch is gone. <laughs> It was a limited edition drop. It really was. Um, I need to get I need to figure out how to make more like. But it's just, you know, what I'm really thinking about like sustainability and like eco friendly and all of this stuff. And then it makes it a bit more difficult to try and do that with a pretty low budget as well. Um, so anyway, the t-shirts. And then, I don't know, sometimes I like to code as well, still. Creatively, just like, I don't know, here's a project. Let me try and code something for it, whether that's like a website or like a web app. But I don't do that as much. It's just like, 
the outputs of something sometimes. Also, you modeled. I did model. <laughs> very La Tigra, very Blue Steel. We love yeah. to see it. That was that was such a gift because it was just like travel modeling. So like I didn't really have to do anything. I would just get flown to these locations and like they would take me on a travel tour and I would just experience the tour and they would just take photos of me while I did that. And I met beautiful people. It was crazy. Wow. Win, 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 win. Mm-hmm. Win, 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 win. Yeah. I think, no, that's absolutely amazing. I had no idea you did so much and that's super awesome. Can you tell us a bit about your creative process then when you approach creative projects? Yeah, I think, so I was thinking that maybe they're a little bit different between the different mediums that I create with, but actually I think they all follow like a very common thread, which is that like whatever I'm trying to create at the time, I try and understand it as best as possible. Like what am I creating, whether it's like an interface or like a song or like a routine, right? Like why am I trying to create this? Is it because like someone's approached me? If, if in which case then like, what do they want it for? What's the reason that it's come behind it? If like a company is saying, hey, we want you to choreograph this piece, like why do you want that? Or if it's a client that's saying, hey, we want you to create this interface, then it's like, okay, you know, why do you want it? And like, what do you want it to be used for? Because then that, that helps me frame what I'm trying to do. And then I think the next step would usually be getting some references, some some sort of like anchor points, which are like, okay, where am I trying to send this? What's the, like, if I'm looking at the end result now, like what do I kind of want it to be like? What style of dance do I want it to be? What are the sort of like emotions that I want to bring out? If it's an interface, maybe it's like visually, what style do you want it to be in? But they're like, you know, you also do outside research, like competitive analysis to see what else is out in the market. What's the standard of like quality, which makes something passable? What makes it good? And then also what are the things that like push it over the edge? You have to be aware, like, you know, what's going to bring in that little source, that little sizzle. And that's also something I take on with like music as well. Like, I can make like a basic beat, but then I'm like, okay, like what's going to be the, the thing that hooks a listener and is like almost a singability factor where it's like, if someone was to sing that song back, they would say, how would they sing that song? Would they be like, oh, it's the song that goes like blah, blah, blah. Or is it the song that has like that crazy beat that's like, uh, 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 uh. do you know what I mean? Like yeah. terrible examples of singing. So ignore those, but <laughs> yeah. We've got you- London on the track. <laughs> <laughs> Mother on the beat. Jason Derulo. Oh, we are s- stepping heavily into copyright territory. <laughs> Please don't sue me, Jason Derulo. <laughs> so yeah, you kind of get your references and you understand what's going to make it good, and then from there you just experiment, have play. You know what I mean? Like start throwing things in the pot and and seeing what's going to come out of it. And then I guess there's all, also like a refinement process. Like once you've thrown all these things at the wall, like how do you make this? How do you tailor it back to maybe be a bit commercially viable? So if it's a song, like maybe you've gone a bit overboard and you're like, okay, but this is maybe supposed to be a pop song, for example. So it's supposed to cater to the masses. So I can't be doing too much. Let me strip too it back. Too much sauce. That's it. It's too much craziness. Like you've got to strip it back. And, and there's stuff in design as well, where I think... Mm, maybe this idea won't read as well for users right like sometimes you you push it and then you're like this is a bit ambitious like it's not really part of an like a a, like an interaction pattern that people are used to so you might have to scale it back and be like let me look at some other reference let me like scale it back and think what are people used to in a way that's like intuitive you know and then also throughout all of that you have to remember that whether it's like music dance or like 
a, a user journey that people are going on. Like it's, it's always a journey. It's always got its ups and downs in its narration. So you have to think about like where the energy is gonna be and like how you sort of build that arc of energy, which means that people can experience in, a, in, a, in an exciting way and in like an engaging way. So for like dance, that could be like just the speed of the movement. I love moving quickly. But I can't do that all the time because it's tiring on the eyes for someone to look at someone going ham like all the time. You want to feel those breaks. And at the same time, like within design, you can have brilliant design all the time. But then do you know what do you know what's more exciting? It's getting to like a confirmation page and then seeing just that one animation that's just like so pleasing. Because if you had it throughout the entire like the entire journey, like you wouldn't have something to make you feel good at the end of it. Do you know what I mean? It would just be like, oh. Well, I've seen this animation throughout the entire journey. So entire entire sign up process. So what's my reward for like reaching the end? I I really, mm-hmm. really love that. I think that's such a good tip actually in terms of trying to get some balance in your designs almost. Mm-hmm. Like I do think, you know, that point about creating some excitement hits home. It it kind of reminds me of, you know, if you write something, there needs to be you know, maybe a problem and then some sort of resolution. So it's very satisfying to see those little micro interactions interspersed mm. within your designs or your prototype or I guess just kind of bringing some sort of balance to the overall design by not cramming in too much yeah, yeah, within yeah, a definitely. space. Mm-hmm. And like with designing anything for kind of web or mobile, like knowing that you're at the very end or if it's a dance, like knowing when to clap. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> what if you start clapping and then you like go for a second wave yeah. of dance and... But sometimes people do that on purpose. I've def- I've definitely feel like I've choreographed bits where like there's stillness and people might want to start clapping and then you sock them in the face with like some more choreography and people are like, whoa. And that's why I have trust issues. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, I love what you were saying about digging deeper into the why and kind of finding that like sizzle with the sauce. Mm. Um, but what have some of your biggest challenges been in your design journey? Yeah. Good question. It's not all been roses for sure. I think when I first started design, I was coming from a very business analyst role background. So like I was always like requirements, this requirements, that. And I was very like logical, not to say design isn't logical, but it's not always the primary focus. And often it is, often you have to make sure your decisions are completely logical. But I think there was a point where I was really being dragged through the weeds of like, here are the requirements and here are like, I don't know. I think I just wasn't giving up my role of being a BA while transitioning into design when there were other BAs on the project who could, you know, really take that role. So I think that was one thing that I sort of struggled to let go of a little bit, but then learned to. And I think also learning to fight the good fight of design. Like I was just not Mm -hmm. good at it. You know, like if my delivery lead was like, we need screens. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I slapped him (laughs) up. If they were like, we need screens, like, next week i'd be like but i have no idea what these users go through and i need to i need to like you need to give me access to them to like speak to them and they'd be like no and i would just kind of give up and be like okay well i'll give it my best shot but now i've become more experienced to realize that like that's you have to learn how to have those conversations and negotiate with people like i always thought like design was coming in and being like hey like um i'm gonna design this stuff cool i realized much more it's now about teaching people how you're going to work and like giving them faith in what you're going to deliver um, mm. as a result of that. Because it sometimes, you know, getting to know users does take a bit of time. 
And that's mm -hmm. time that as a delivery manager, you're, you might be thinking like, I'm trying to get stuff out. So it's about having that conversation. I guess it's, yeah, the summary be communicating and setting expectations in a way. Mm -hmm. And I was just going to say, I can completely relate to that because the environment we come from, the corporate environment we come from <laughs> yeah. is very much like, yeah, if the delivery lead says something, I, I feel like there's repercussions to fighting back sometimes because you have the six months feedback kind of sessions and the whole system is very much top down. So like if mm. you're if your delivery manager is giving you bad feedback, then it impacts your career. And then obviously you want to do the best for users. But if that is that means your your kind of job is on the line, then it's, it's really difficult. So mm. I I'm just saying I can completely empathize with that struggle at the start. And it's good that we all probably have grown and are much better at having those conversations. But yeah. I know how hard it was. Preach. So, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like if you're not able to kind of speak to the users to kind of understand what they need, understand those requirements, I feel like if you were, you would have like a stronger concrete granite base. But if you aren't, it's like three sticks of bamboo to like yeah. hold up your entire project and what you deliver. Because it's just on assumption yeah you don't know what they want you don't know what they need and you just try to make it work so it's just on like the flimsiest of legs yeah and then when people start to challenge your design decisions you have nothing to say yeah like mm -hmm. you have no input to be like oh i did it because you you're just like well i did it because i think it looks good but like i don't know if users will like this um, you have to go into like astrology <laughs> be like mars is in retrograde so i feel <laughs> like this is the right direction a Sagittarius told me so. Yeah. And there's there's one other thing which was a big challenge for me, which is actually being good at like visual design. I mean, it's not my strength and I will admit that. But I think when I first started, boy, were my designs ugly. And like, I didn't even have the context to realize that they were ugly. I was just like, I made this and I think it's quite cool. But it was like, you know, like, <laughs> It's really rounded borders and like, you know, like terrible color schemes and like just shadow, like drop shadows, like everywhere for no reason. And I was like, this is fun and this is cool. And <laughs> joy. I was like, Red and lime green. I'm young in the team, so I know what people like. No, I don't know what people like. <laughs> you just salt bay, but with like drop shadows, just sprinkling <laughs> just it. Randomly everywhere. Not even the things that are interactive, just on like, I don't know, Every like a net. Yeah, just like a nav bar. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I feel you. I feel like, um, you know, as th the good thing is that you probably have improved a lot since then. Mm. And I'm like, without a doubt, I'm sure, you, I'm sure you have. Um, <laughs> Blended out the drop shadow. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's always really interesting to look back on your past work and realize how much you've grown as a designer. Mm. And one of my friends actually was telling me she's from Singapore and she's a product manager, a product designer. She did do product design as a degree. And she was saying, you know, one way of overcoming that imposter syndrome is to kind of see how much you've grown as a designer. And like, you know, it's it's yeah, it's, it's really refreshing. Actually, I mean, I feel like it takes a lot of courage to admit that your past designs were not ideal. But <laughs> it's kind of like looking back at old pictures from middle school. Where you're like, a yeah. bit of yikes, but I still have love in my heart for this person. <laughs> Myself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Oh man, I had some terrible outfits as a teenager, like fingerless gloves. I loved wearing fingerless gloves in the you summer. You had to catch regardless. them all and get to the Pokemon gym. <laughs> I also did ha- wear a backwards hat, but it was like woolly and it also had a peak. It was like a woolly hat that had a peak. I've always worn hats like throughout my childhood and my adulthood now. I'm wearing a hat right now, but that hat was awful. So you didn't design that hat is what you're saying? Not yet. No. Not yet. Uh, wait, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> 90s, early 2000s revivals coming round, so you need to be ready. I am. On that kind of like note of growth, I guess, from from drop shadows everywhere to, to where you are now, has there been any advice that has really helped you maybe grow a bit quicker or maybe any advice that you would give to people who are struggling now? I don't want to be disrespectful to the people who have who have guided me through UX design, but there's no single one thing that I can think has like had a big impact. But like the people who have mentored me through UX design and given me advice have been like crucial. It's just that they've never said one significant thing. It's been like lots mm. of little things. So it would yeah. be hard to say those. But thank you to the people who have um, you know helped me grow. Um, but I think the advice that I would give to any designer is that you don't just need to have empathy for your client, um, like your end users, but you also need to have empathy for your client. Mm -hmm. Because I think what often happens is that designers can be terrible and myself included, like we can be such assholes. We'll come Mm -hmm. in on on a client and then we'll be like, what you have now is crap. Or like, we won't say that to their face, but we might like share designs with other designers in this bet. This is the client I'm working on. Look how ugly their website is. Do you know what I mean? Put in the burn book. (laughs) That's it. But that's not empathetic to where they're coming from Mm. and you come in with this sort of attitude of like you know I'm better than you but like that's not the case you need to guide them through the journey as much as you would need to guide a user through the journey so a bubble just came out of my mouth while I was talking that's crazy how I don't know but maybe I've been eating soap (laughs) magic and brown (laughs) he is so much fun he's such a delight literal bubbles come out of his mouth that, sorry that threw me um. <laughs> you're on a roll as well <laughs> what was i saying yeah being empathetic towards uh, your client um yeah you need to you need to guide them through the journey of like user-centered design as much as you would anyone else like you really need to help them you bring up their maturity and another thing i would say is learn how to take feedback boy feedback is Oof, it can really like just drain your spirit cut your soul honestly mm-hmm. and i think there's there's a few ways to deal with feedback one piece of advice that someone gave me about feedback which was really good initials dm shout out to you he said when you take feedback you don't really have to respond you can just listen and say hmm, yeah good point write it down don't don't argue back about why you've done it or what else you've done. Just take all the feedback because usually it's often coming from several sources at once if you're sharing with stakeholders or, you know, if you're doing user research and it's coming from one person. But just just listen. Just listen and write it down and you can address the validity of it later. But don't argue back because that's just a draining process. Mm-hmm. And also, just because someone said something doesn't always mean that they are right. But it doesn't mean that they're wrong. So don't just discard all the feedback because you don't agree with it. Take it and understand where it's coming from. But in that moment, try not to take it personally as well. Just listen, be calm about it, write it down, address it afterwards. Yeah. It's like that interesting experiment where someone would like critique a design and then you're like, oh, yes, onboarded all these comments and then you show it back to them. And they're like, perfect. 
this is just what I was looking for. <laughs> and and I love your advice about being able to take feedback because I've had designs where I've become very attached to them and someone critiques it. I'm like, don't ever talk to me or my yeah. son again. hundred percent. hundred percent. And the thing is like, why are you asking for this feedback as well? You're asking for this feedback because you want it to be better. And you just kind of lose sight of that when people start like saying bad things about it. You're like, no, this is this is really good. I, I did it the other day. I shared music with my friends specifically for the purpose of getting feedback. These are producers who are more experienced than me, who make better beats than me. They said, ah, you know, like you could try doing this and this. And my first immediate response was like offense. Mm. But, but I'm trying to be better. Like not everything that I'm going to make is perfect. So I have to, you know, just detach myself from the art sometimes. Yeah, I love that. I think that's that's really, really good. Mic drop there. <laughs> no, that's that's great, actually. Yeah, I I suppose one question that I had was, do you have any goals this year for yourself as a designer and a general all-around creative person? Hmm, my goals as a designer. I'm not sure. I, do you know what? I need to make a portfolio. That's a big goal of mine. Oh, like, my portfolio is so weak. Welcome to the struggle. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. We're going to start crying again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but shout out to Lauren for running those um, portfolio sessions. So as she mentioned, she's been running the portfolio sessions in the company and I'm part of the company. So I've attended some of them and it's been really helpful. One to know what I can and cannot share in a portfolio, because I always thought that like because we work for this consultancy, like everything is sort of like locked down and we can't like share because everything's under an NDA. But it's not always the case actually I thought we could share a lot more things than I thought we could so one that was really encouraging and then like just seeing other people's portfolios just give me a kick up the butt to be like I really need to make this so that's one goal I have this year sort out my portfolio you yeah. and all of us mm, mm-hmm. honestly <laughs> forevermore yeah I was just gonna say um on one of the calls that I attended I think someone who was quite senior said that it's actually better to ask for forgiveness than permission I mean, it depends on your client. Obviously, if you signed an NDA, which I think is probably quite unlikely for us. Mm. I think as long as you anonymize most of the stuff, kind of change your branding and colors, like I think Lauren and Lavinia have done, it should be okay to share. Yeah, I guess you're not going to be advertising it widely or, any, or, or anything like that. You know, it, it's probably not a bad idea to document your general design process on whatever case study you're working on. And password protecting is another option. Yeah. Just making sure that you actually hand over the password when you send it to the people <laughs> that you want, or else that that's a terrible user experience if they have to get back on their email and chase you up. Also, just kind of asking for permission points as well. Um, but I think it really helps when you strip away the branding, strip away the colors, um, so it becomes quite generic. Mm. It also gives you a bit more creative freedom, I guess, if you want to mm-hmm. zazz it up a little bit like not changing the actual interaction and what like the users wanted and the feedback from them just yeah so steven feel free to add all the drop shadows <laughs> oh no this Beat is going to be what i'm known for this is what people are going to take away from this podcast episode oh steven he loves drop shadows yeah yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so that that was one of your goals were there any others within design webflow i guess i'm learning webflow Ooh. now Seems like a fun one, not gonna lie. And there, oh my goodness. Have you guys done like the Webflow University like video training? Yusin, isn't it hilarious? I love that man, who is he? I don't, all of them, I love them, they're brilliant. Why is he so good? 
you need to watch it. Like, oh. I, I can't explain. <laughs> he, okay, I think the scripting is really good, obviously. It's not just yeah. this guy. But then he has a really iconic voice and they drop a lot of, like, really funny one-liners. So it's actually super enjoyable watching them. It doesn't feel like a run-of-the-mill tutorial. Yeah, it's hilarious. Oh, it's hilarious. Does he have like a confessional camera? So he's like, he's telling you all the content, filming to one camera, and then if he wants to be sassy, he just like turns to the other camera, breaks the fourth wall. Well, it's more like he's presenting his screen most of the time, and then like it will just like switch to him in his face, and he'll say something to you, and you're like, <laughs> you're hilarious. But there's also like other presenters with it as well, and they just bring in some jokes. Ah. Oh. Yeah, I think there was one I saw on LinkedIn. It was this guy, I think he's Icelandic and works for Webflow. And he was kind of teaching people how to design something. And then he was like, now let me teach you how to design it in Icelandic. And he pretty much just said the same thing, but it was just, I don't know how to describe it. it, it it's like the whole deadpan expression when they say it as well. Sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's completely free. Like, isn't that amazing? Like yeah. the production value is so high. <laughs> yeah. I was actually gonna say I do appreciate Webflow a lot for all the freebies I guess they do because I remember when I was trying to pick up Sketch as like years ago as my first kind of interaction software it was so hard to find anything free to learn how to use it effectively like Mm -hmm. obviously you can like poke around and figure it out on your own but I just wanted to make sure my workflow is as efficient as possible. And it was so hard to find anything. And I think I ended up paying for some sort of course. But Webflow are so good at just like giving it to you. And I guess you're more excited to use it and more likely to use it. So it, it's a win for them as well. But yeah, shout out to Webflow for that. Today's sponsor is Webflow. <laughs> oh, we wish. <laughs> Yo, wish. reach out. And Stephen, I love to hear that making music has like really been a priority. I know that you've like pimped out your desk. So it's just an amazing like arena to create sounds beats absolutely love it and thank you so so much for agreeing to help us with a little musical interlude for the podcast so that we can jump between sections a bit clearer and thank you so much for not laughing too hard when i sent you the hannah montana interludes (laughs) where miley cyrus like sings a few notes between like her various scenes and I love how there's like mm-hmm. a happy one and then there's like a sad one if something like edgy has happened in Hannah Montana but can you take us through kind of your process of like what it would be like to create like little little interludes yeah um so I was thinking up some ideas this morning I guess kind of my process for this would be I know what I want them to sound like so I think having that reference is really important and staying true to that reference is probably also really important because the reference being Hannah Montana no 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 the (laughs) reference that I have in my head (laughs) just because I know when I get into it I can start to get lost a bit and start like throwing stuff away so I think I'm just gonna like voice note record something out um, and just being able to play that back to remind myself what I was thinking initially will be useful I think I'm going to take some audio material from you guys. I'm going to ask for some maybe like snippets of things that you say within the podcast that might be like very common things that you say, like friends of the pod, for example, or like welcome back or like, I don't know. There are different don't things hate, for you guys. Don't hate, just iterate. There you go. And I might start playing around with that audio sample. Long time listener, first time caller. There you go. For those of you who are keeping score, I know that says a lot. <laughs> I, I just think that there's someone on the end of the line with like a whiteboard who's like, yes, another tick. <laughs> <laughs> I am keeping score, actually. 
yeah, I think I'll play around with that and just, I don't know, start adding some chords to it, start adding some fun sounds and try and keep it short. Yeah, and just make sure that it fits within like the theme of this podcast. Like I don't want something to like blast the listener's ear like in between sections. Screamo right? music, is that what it's called? The like heavy metal, like <sighs> yelling. I used to love that stuff. Yeah, so I just want to make sure it's tasteful, but still quite fun and brings the energy up or down, like depending on what you want, like what do you want between the sections? So I might if make we're talking few. about portfolios, it has to be really depressing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there you go. But also fitting in with the theme of hotline design. So like maybe some phone related sounds as well. Yeah, I've got some ideas. Oh, we love it. So looking forward to that interlude to make these transitions into hotline design hotline absolutely seamless. Hi pals at Hotline Design. My name is Audrey and I'm a long-time listener and first-time caller. I'm trying to take advantage of lockdown and make time for creative endeavours and I was wondering what helps to get you guys into the creative zone. I'm in some desperate need of help. Hey Audrey, thanks so much for calling in. Yeah, I totally feel that you, like, within lockdown are trying to get better at things because that's what I've largely taken it as some time to improve my skills. What I've done, particularly with music, so I think I'll talk about it, but try let's try to apply it to other things. What I do, which is not for everyone, but it works for me, I usually wake up an hour or two before work and set that time aside to, you know, skill development. And I have like um, a complete circuit actually of different exercises that I will do in that hour or two. They're always one hour exercises, but maybe I'll do an hour of something and then an hour of something else, or I'll just do one hour before work. So I have a complete circuit of different things and they're not all creative, which is I think important. Just because you're trying to get better at a creative skill doesn't mean all of your time should be spent creating. So what I might do, for example, with music is I might learn some sheet music. So I will just play some sheet music. That way I'm not having to think about what the next note is going to be. I just read it and I play it. And that's more like a um, physical practice. Then there are other things where I'm like dissecting maybe a bass line that's really good. So I will listen to that bass line. I'll then transcribe that bass line. So write it down. And then I'll be like, what are the parts that I really enjoy? And why do I really enjoy that? Like, what is the, the note interval, which is making this bass line sound so good? Or like, what's the groove? What's the rhythm of it? And then I can understand as much as I like it, these are the reasons I like it. And I, because I like it for that, I can then take that into my own music and say, I like bass lines that are like this. And I understand how to create those bass lines. So with design or whatever your your sort of your your medium is take some time maybe in the morning or you know just any way you can set time aside and have a plethora of different activities that you can do which will make you better at what you do and it doesn't always have to be creative it can be just listening it can be learning or just like physical practice if your if your medium is physical can i just say that that's brilliant advice and when we kind of apply it to design, although I'm not sure the caller would necessarily apply it to design, but I think a lot of people, when they start learning design, they're kind of like, oh, how can I learn Figma as quickly as possible? And how can I learn this software and this software? But what you just said about looking at references, let's say looking at an application that you think has great user experience and taking the time to reflect and understand exactly why you feel like this experience is great and stuff can be actually a lot more productive and conducive to your learning than 
jumping into Figma and trying to make something out of nothing. Yeah. So brilliant advice. Yeah, I just wanted. No, I think that's brilliant advice. Um, yeah, definitely just wanted to plus one to what Lavinia and Steven said. I really, I think that's really great, actually, just kind of giving yourself that extra time to work and stuff as well, like waking up slightly before i mean you don't necessarily have to wake up early but as long as you dedicate i think some part of your day or kind of block out some time in your day to work on creative pursuits personally i think it's really important for me to get inspiration something i've been trying to do is just go out for walks even though it's it might just be a five ten minute walk maybe down the street but as long as i go outside and i kind of feel like the wind and you know if as long as i don't stay sort of like trapped in my house the whole day I think that really helps me to think of new ideas. I think it's just that thing about taking regular breaks because sometimes when you're focused for too long on one thing, you kind of lose sight of it. And it's often just easier to get up from your desk, walk away, maybe get some fresh air. I don't know where you're based, but you know, I I really like like taking walks in nature if if I can find time to do that or when I'm not in London. So yeah, I would highly recommend that. Yeah, much to what you're saying, Yusin, I think it's like, really important to kind of create separation like now that we're in lockdown in terms of if your creative endeavor is kind of based on a laptop making sure that you're trying to get away from like the work laptop that you're actually closing it something I like to do to psych myself self up for a creative endeavor is maybe at the because I work best like at the end of the day the work day so as I'm checking my emails and kind of just tying together loose ends, have a YouTube video of whatever I might be trying to do playing in the background, then kind of listening to that, turning off the work laptop, going either for a walk, having a shower, maybe a little workout even, just some someplace where I can actually think about what I'm gonna be doing next from the inspiration from the video at the end of the day, and then jumping into it. Cause it gives you that separation and also you might feel like it's two separate segments, your work segment, then some something that kind of breaks it up, and then you start with your creative endeavor. And if you can kind of change your setting as well, I find that that really helps. Yeah, preach. I would agree with that. Yeah, taking that break and just like separating two different things. I mean, you don't always want to have your like work mindset when you're doing something that's like creative or unrelated to work. Sometimes it's helpful for the way you approach problems, but sometimes it's not so yeah giving that time to like just dissociate your mind from it is brilliant what are the kpis of this drawing (laughs) i completely agree yeah i think the separation is key one thing that really helps me with that is having a dedicated playlist right now it's not necessarily and i guess it ties into um steven's kind of passion for music as well it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a playlist for a lot of people. Literally a song on repeat is actually fine mm-hmm. to kind of like shut out everything else. Something that I'm really enjoying right now, um, the Headspace app has added focus music to it. And there's a Hans Zimmerman playlist um, nice. there. And it's so good to have those like cinematic vibes while you're trying to be creative. And I try to be quite stringent and I don't listen to that playlist in any other circumstance. So like I don't necessarily Mm. go for a walk and listen to that playlist or cook and listen to that playlist. I'm basically creating that separation with this is my creative time through music or my focus time through music. And I think that's really helpful, especially if you're obviously at home and you might not have the dedicated space for your creative endeavor. 
creating that mental space with music has really helped me. Nice. I feel like you've got your Hans Zimmer focus creative playlist like 20% of the time and then it's like 80% of the time, Shawn Mendes greatest hits. <laughs> oh my God, yes. You know me too well. You know me way too well. <laughs> There's um, one point that I wanted to add just about when you were saying playlist, it made me think of playing, which is also something that I think you should incorporate within your whatever skill or discipline you're trying to do, like play, have fun and don't take it too seriously. Like make sure that you do have moments where you're just like messing around and experimenting because some really interesting results can come of that. But there's also like no pressure to be right or like, you know, please anyone in those moments, right? You can just make stuff for the sake of making it and no one has to see it, but you'll learn about if you like it or if you don't. And sometimes, yeah, you don't give yourself that license to like have fun with whatever you're doing. The after effects pancakes that I botched definitely prove that I am down to play <laughs> <laughs> no I, I I loved it it was it was such a good take on you know the traditional sort of like thing you would expect super creative love it I was just gonna add something else on too because sometimes I don't know what you all think but I feel like if there is someone else who's learning the same skill or like doing something creative with me sometimes like I like to create with other people so case in point the pancake stuff you know like I think if we're all sort of trying to learn After Effects together like could we try and just dedicate time to working on it with friends or um I think I mentioned I really really liked that whole like Figma and Chill co-designing session on on Clubhouse that I attended yesterday I think it's just maybe if if there are opportunities depending on the type of skill you're trying to develop to work on your creative pursuits of other people I find that very motivating as well for just helping you stay on track Mm -hmm. hashtag this podcast (laughs) like (laughs) literally yeah Yeah. i was gonna add to that that on youtube there are some cool videos of people that are like work with me or like study with me or stuff like that where they just put like rain sounds on and stuff and you feel like you have company as well if yeah i love like the clean with me and all that oh yeah except for i'm like your form is terrible (laughs) (laughs) with that ancient duster honey no Amazing. So we hope that answered your question, Audrey. And thank you so, so much for calling in. And as a reminder, if you would like to submit a question to Hotline Design Hotline, you can do it at anchor.fm slash hotline design pod. And a huge thank you to Stephen Brown for coming on the podcast and being our first guest. Hope we didn't scare you away. Hope we're all still friends after this. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I, you know, I listen to this podcast and I really enjoy listening. So I'm honored to be here. Thank you. A long time listener, first time (laughs) co-host. And if anyone wants to see what you're up to, is there any place where they can find you or? Yes, you can get me probably at Instagram, which is Stephen, spelled S-T-P-H-E-N, S-J Brown, that's my Instagram, Stephen SJ Brown. It's on private at the moment, but you know, if you request, I'll probably say, yeah, I'm just in my heels at the moment. <laughs> He's very exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. And of course, you can always find us at Hotline Design Pod on Instagram and Hotline Design Pod at gmail.com. Thanks so much and see you guys next week. We're sorry. You have reached a number that has been disconnected. Please check the number and try your call again.